bloom here this morning? All right, yeah. <laughs> if you have your Bibles, turn to First Thessalonians chapter 1. I do want to thank uh, Matt for leading this morning and Keith. Uh, both of those gentlemen will be going to, to Beach House with you guys, and they'll be leading the worship. And of course, Josh and Nicole will definitely be bringing the word this week for, for the high schoolers. And uh, I, I don't know, it sounds like a good team to me. Uh, one thing about it, Ann Wise feels pretty good about herself up here. Many of you may not know that Ann was the children's choir director in the church that Wes and, you don't have to do that, <laughs> Wes and Matt came from, along with Matt's mom, I guess, y'all kind of did that together, and uh, so she feels responsible for the whole worship program here in this church, and, uh, but anyway, uh, Matt actually uh, does the worship down in the warehouse on Wednesday nights, he does a phenomenal job, uh, it's just amazing how God has surrounded us here at Pleasant City with such wonderful people with great talents who are serving the Lord. And it's so good to see young men who do serve the Lord. All right, well, look at this series introduction here. Flourish, okay, let's start over. Flourish may be one of the best words to describe a Christian who is maturing in their faith. You heard that last week. That's the whole idea of this whole series. The definition of flourish, flourish is to be healthy and thriving, to blossom, to be at the height of influence. And of course, the introduction for us today is this, having a flourishing, flourishing faith, I'm going to have somebody come up and pronounce the word for me each time I come to it. Anyway, have a, having a flourishing faith is God's desire for all of us who have trusted his provision of salvation. Now, let me just tell you what I'm talking about, the provision of salvation, before we go any further. If we don't understand this one part, the rest of the sermon is not going to make sense whatsoever. What, what it means to have a flourishing faith, what it means to come to salvation through God's provision is through the provision of Jesus Christ. It is through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ that we have the, the opportunity to participate in the salvation that he brings. How do we participate in that salvation? We get there by, first of all, believing. By believing that Jesus is who he says he is and he did what he came to do. But it goes further than that. There's a response to that belief and that belief, that response is for us to repent, for us to turn from our sin and turn to him and turn to what he provides through that salvation. But it doesn't end there. From that point on, there becomes what we know as faith. There is a, and the Bible says it's impossible to please God except by faith. And the reason for that is because that is the only connection we have with him is the faith that we have in the salvation that comes by way of that to a, to a response that we have with him. And that is the whole idea of faith. And so look at your outline. The expressions of flourishing faith are evident and should be exhibited. They're evident and should be exhibited. So if we have a faith that is flourishing and we have this salvation that I spelled out clearly just a moment ago, then there's something that will take place. It will be evident and it will be exhibited. It can't help but be. So here's the sermon series, Flourish. Today we're looking at the idea when you are an exhibitor. Now, an exhibitor is a person who displays something. Now, if I were to ask you this morning, when people look at your life, what do you display? Have you ever thought about it that way? When people look at your life, when they see you, when they hear your name, what's the first thing that comes to their mind when they think of you? That is really, if you think, what comes to them 
is what you exhibit. It's what's out there in front of you. So we are to display with our lives a flourishing faith. Now, why would we do that? Why, why would that be something that should be automatic for us? Because of last week and what we looked at. Now, think about it. We've gone from death to life. Remember last week? From death to life. That's a pretty big deal. That's a pretty big difference that should be exhibited in our lives. Not only that, we've gone from living in darkness to living in light. We've gone from a life of condemnation to a life of grace. We've gone from a life of worry and uncertainty to a life of peace. Now, how will it be de demonstrated? We looked at this last week. Through works of faith, through a labor of love, and holding up under pressure through hope. Now, that's what the Bible said to us last week. Now, Paul moves from how flourishing faith should be demonstrated to how it should dis be displayed or exhibited in our lives. And that's what we come to when we come to verse five. So look on your outline. Flourishing faith will be shared by word. It's gonna be shared by word. It's gonna to come to us. The whole, the whole idea of a, a faith that comes to us as flourishing will first come to us by word. That's what the scripture tells us. Now, right beside where it says by word, put God's truth. That should be there, but put God's truth. Now, we are living, and I think many of you would agree with this. We are living in a day of spiritual confusion. Would you agree with that? I am convinced it is because we do not know the word of God. I am convinced that people do not invest their time in trying to understand the truth of God's word. And so therefore, there's even Christians, I, I know Christians who I believe are, are, are attempting to live that life that God's called them to live. And, and some of the things that come out of their mouths, I'm like, do they really know what God's word really says? I'm talking about people who profess to know God. I'm talking about people who profess to be a God, to be the people of God's word. And there's things that come out of their mouth and ideas that come out and, and, and that just kind of, I mean, I hate to say it, it blows my mind. It tells me they really don't know the word. We're living in those days where many professing Christians who truly do not know what they believe, nor how what they believe applies to their daily lives. So look at verse five. Paul says, for our gospel did not come to you in word only. Paul is personalizing the gospel. He's not saying I've gone out here and created my own gospel. He's saying, no, the gospel that Jesus Christ, what that's all about, that's so real to me that it is my gospel. It's what I built my life on. And then he goes on further to say, it came. It didn't come to me only in word. Now, what does that imply? It implies that the gospel did come by word and we're getting ready to, to, to talk about something else that came with it, but he initially says it did come by word. Now, I want you to think about how the word of God came to you. How did it come to you? Were you sitting in a room similar to this? Were you sitting there listening to a, a pastor or a teacher attempting to rightly divide God's word to put that whole idea of salvation before you and you, you sat there and all of a sudden something began to happen in you and all of a sudden you began to identify with that word? Or maybe it's because someone cared enough about you to come to you personally and say, hey, God loves you. And he made a provision of salvation through his son, Jesus Christ, that he wants you to participate in. And they shared it. They cared enough to share the word of God. 
Look at the verses here in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Look here on the screen. Paul said, I declare to you the gospel while I preach to you, which also you received. Now, I want you to think about that. That word received is one of the most important words you will come across when it comes to the whole idea of salvation. If something is, is, is preached to you, if it's declared to you, as Paul said it was, and what was he declaring? If you look at the context, he was declaring the gospel. And here's what he said. He said, you received it. Do you know what the word received literally means? It, it literally means that you, it was an intimate moment in which you heard it and you received it into your life. It became an intimacy with you. Think about that. God's word became intimate in you. That's literally what it means to receive something. It's not just something that we pass by and say, yeah, that's a pretty neat story. I really enjoyed that. That's a, no, it's something that just comes in and it becomes intimate with you. That's the word here. He says, which you also received and which also you stand. You not only received it, you stand on it. You have a firm conviction that this is it. That's what he's talking about by which you also are saved. If you hold fast, hold on, holding on with everything you've got. How many of you have realized that today, probably more than any other day in our nation's history, that holding on is de definitely what you feel like you're doing when it comes to the gospel in this day and age. You're holding on for dear life, some of us. We've got the forces of our society. We've got the forces of the enemy. We've got all those things that are compounding. And I don't know about you, but I told someone this past week, I feel like we're becoming a minority very fast. Those who are holding the truth of God's word and not compromising it and not looking at society and trying to figure out where it is and adapting the Bible to that. But know that the Bible stands, it's the truth and we bring everything to that truth. We are becoming a minority of people who hold that truth to be true. He goes on. He said, if you hold fast, that word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. You mean to tell me I can believe something and it would be useless to me? Yeah. Because he got up here, he says, you got to receive it. You got to see it as an intimacy. It's valued to you. It has value to you. That you, you bring it in, that you stand on it. And then he says, for I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received. I received it. I'm sharing something with you that I received myself. And let me just tell you, when Paul talks about the idea he received the word, he received the word. Think about the changes and transformation that took place in that man's life. Everything changed in his life. Everything. What did he receive, however? What did he share? What made the difference? Here it is right here. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day. How? According to the scripture. He did exactly what God's truth said he would do. It wasn't wishy-washy. It happened the way it said it was going to be done. Flourishing faith will be shared by word, but secondly, by demonstration. When we receive this word and it becomes intimate to us, there will be a demonstration of the fact that took place. You do understand that, right? And, and the Bible gives proof of that. Paul's saying, that's what happened in me. 
That, that's what I'm telling you should happen in you. That's what he's, why he's writing these words. In 1 Thessalonians, the first thing we see there by word, but secondly, by demonstration, first of all, through power. There's a power here. And I'm just lifting what the Bible says. Look at verse five again. For our gospel did not come to you in word only. It wasn't the only thing hanging out there. It's because you received it intimately. And as a result, it's also in power. It's in power. The gospel that produces a flourishing faith did not, did not come to us or, 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 or should be just being displayed in us by words only or head knowledge only, but also a demonstration of power. Something else takes place. The words you believe were power enough, listen, were powerful enough to transform you and change you. Meaning that when we receive God's word intimately, there's an empowering that comes with it. But how? How does it come about? Look on your outline. Flourishing faith will be shared by, by demonstration, second of all, not only through that power, but how, did it, how does it come about? It tells you right here, through the Holy Spirit. Through the Holy Spirit. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 5 again, for our gospel does not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit. Did you hear what we were just singing here a moment ago? Holy Spirit, you're welcome in this place. You're welcome here. Can, can I tell you something? I may be up here trying to teach you the word, to pull out God's truth and hold it up and say, this is what God's word says. But listen to me, if the Holy Spirit doesn't show up, <laughs> there's not gonna be that intimate receiving because that's the work that's going on within you. Something that's receiving it. There are times <laughs> when people will approach me and they'll say something like this. Some of you have said it. The message you gave last week, I can't seem to get it out of my head. And I'm sitting there and the whole time I'm sitting, here's what I'm thinking. Oh, the Holy Spirit was at work here in your life last week. That wasn't me. I'm just being faithful to just hold it up. He's doing the work with it. Here's another. Or someone will say, I felt like you were just talking to me last week. That's not me. That's the Holy Spirit. One guy came up to me. He said, my wife's been talking to you, hasn't she? <laughs> I said, no, I'm not sure. I even know who your wife is. I mean, he was convinced that there was something that was being pointed out in his life that was obvious that needed to be dealt with. And he thought I was up here telling his story. I've had people be mad at me because they thought I was talking about them right there in front of everybody. But y'all, I'm not psychic. I'm not that smart. Think about it, I can't even say the word flourish. These are statements of conviction produced by the Holy Spirit. That's what this is. I don't know, but here's one thing I want you to understand. I take seriously the teaching of God's word. And the point that I do not take it seriously or the point that I do not believe it accurately, I hope I have enough common sense to just quit doing it. Because this is very serious. This is very serious. And it must, and, and also I pray that the Holy Spirit lead, but here's what you need to understand. Many of you may not understand it, know this, but many pray 
that what I say is led by the Holy Spirit. Did you know that? Do you know that people have been praying for this service this whole week? I'm serious. There, there's people, there's a man that comes to this church about every day of the week. I think it's just to see if the staff gets here on time. But anyway, I, I think it's a little more to it. But anyway, <laughs> but he prays. Praise. What are we praying for? We're praying for a move of God. Yes. We're praying for you who are sitting there. They're praying for me that I will accurately handle God's word, that I will present the truth of God's word in a way that is truthful and not deception, that you would be able to receive it the way it's intended to be received. And that is, listen, intimately, not head knowledge, there you go. I'll let her finish that. Okay. <laughs> Flourishing faith will be shared by demonstration next through assurance. In 1 Thessalonians chapter five, verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 5, it says, For our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and in much assurance. If you have an NIV version of the Bible, I think that version actually accurately portrays it very well when it says that it comes to you with full conviction. Now, now, when it says full, listen, you could just as well put powerful because full implies complete. Everything needed to make that conviction, everything that it can be, comes to you powerfully. That's the word that's being used here. The word conviction, have you ever studied the word? But here's what it means. The word conviction literally means an agreement of guilt. That's literally what it means. It, it means you're sitting there, maybe one Sunday, and you're sitting there, and all of a sudden, the words of God's truth begins to pour from this, this place. And all of a sudden, you're sitting there, and all, there's something that goes on within you. The Holy Spirit's moving in your life, and all of a sudden, you start feeling guilt. I would prefer to call it conviction because conviction is intended to help you. Many times the enemy will use guilt to destroy you, but the God himself uses conviction to, move, to help you understand why something needs to come out of your life and why something needs to come into your life. And that, that's the wording that we have here. He's saying with much assurance. It means a word that is evident. It means a word that cannot go unnoticed. But let me tell you about this work. It still can be rejected. How do we know that? Well, Jesus kind of gave us a clue. I want you to hold your place here and turn to Matthew chapter 13 very, very quickly, please. In Matthew chapter 13, Jesus is giving all these ideas about the kingdom of God. He's using all these parables. He's right in the middle of a bunch of parables and all of a sudden he begins to talk about the parable of what's called the sower. Now, now, let me just say this. As you turn, listen to this. Prayer warriors, let me, let me just, those of you who take seriously the praying for this service or the praying for that God's word would go out truthfully, here's what you need to understand as prayer warriors. This is the one area that you need to focus your prayer. And that is this, that people receive the word gladly. That means they welcome it. They, they, they come into intimate and an intimate relationship with the word, okay? That's where you need to be praying. If you're not praying for that, then you're, you're not praying for much because that is where transformation can take place. That's where the power comes from. So let me show you what he's talking about. And this is a very dangerous part because let me tell you, I'm presenting 
I'm, I'm casting seed. This is the way the Bible says it, okay? I'm casting seed. The seed is the word of the word of God. And you're sitting there, and I want to know how, you, how are you receiving it? Jesus says in Matthew chapter 13, verse 18, therefore hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom, that's what I'm doing right now, and does not understand it, that means you're having a hard time getting your mind around it. And by the way, a lot of what we share here, it, 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 it's hard to get your mind around some of this stuff. But, but, but here's what he's saying. And does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away that which was sown in the heart. This is he who receives seed by the wayside. That means I'm up here and, and I'm sharing the word. And the seed comes and you don't see that that seed has fallen into your heart. Maybe you're seeing that maybe this person beside you needs it more than you do. Or maybe you look across the room and you're thinking, I hope they get this. You ever been guilty of that? Then he goes on. He said, but he who received the seed on the stony place, that is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet he has no root in himself. You know what it means to re receive in joy? What, what it means is you heard the truth, it, you received it. You, here's what you thought. Maybe you're sitting here, because I've, I've heard many of you talk about this, and you thought, well, maybe there is hope in my situation. Maybe I can be the man that my family needs me to be. Maybe, maybe this is what my wife was talking about when she said I needed to be more of this, or my children need me to be more of this. And so you are sitting here and all of a sudden you're motivated to, to follow through and your joy is there and you're like, yeah, here's where it can happen. And yet you walk out of here and nothing really changes. Have you ever been guilty of that? I have. That's just the enemy just not. You know what it is? Here's what you need to understand about the enemy. The enemy doesn't want to give up any ground in your life. You know that? Any ground that he has taken, he will not just say, oh, you're gonna make changes. Well, here, I'm sorry. Let me kind of move to the side here. Go on with it. There's been changes in my life that I've attempted to make that felt like I was fighting hell itself. You, you ever been there? And, and it seemed like everything in me that wanted so much to be this, I literally, it, it was like I was literally trying to, to take the land back or, or, or take what the enemy had taken. And he is stingy with what he has taken. That's the reason you hear words like this. Stand in the word, hold fast in the word, hold on as hard as you can. Because when you get it, the enemy wants to take it. He goes on, lost my place there for a moment. Um, verse 22, now he who receives seed among the thorns is he who hears the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of richness, excuse me, riches choke the word and he becomes unfruitful. 
All of a sudden you got that situation where there's something that may have taken place in this, in this room and all of a sudden you're leaving with that hope of change and you walk up back into the world and all of a sudden the deception that's there and all the untruths that are there and the things you think will bring contentment are out there that you think's out there and you begin going back to the normal, everyday hustle and bustle of doing it the way everyone else is doing it. And again, no victory in life. But here's the good part. But he who receives seed on the good ground is he who hears the word, understands it, who indeed bears fruit and produces some a hundredfold, some 60 and some 30. Paul is showing us how the progression of salvation works in and through a person. Now I'm going to put you guys on the spot. I want all the high schoolers going to camp to stand up. Now, why'd y'all leave him over here by himself? No, I'm just kidding. All right, I want you to th thank you for giving me your attention. Hope you have a good time. Enjoy the beach. But here's one thing I want you to know. I was a student pastor for 10, I, I took students to camp for 10 years. And I saw God do amazing things in their life. I really did. I saw some students who, who took it in and you, they were on fire and they were so happy for the changes that they believed could come from a decision they made at camp only to come back, listen, and fall back into where they were before. They were happy about the possibilities. They couldn't wait. And all of a sudden they came back and so here's my prayer for you. And I wanna ask everybody who's willing to pray for these guys, would you lift your hand this next week? Okay, good. See all these hands, we're praying for you. Here's what I'm asking you to pray for them about. That you will hear the word, you will receive the word intimately, and you'll hold fast to the word. That when you come back home, there's going to come times where you're just holding on as tight as you can because the temptation is coming and the temptation to fall right back to where you were and all that is there. And you're just holding on for dear life. That's what we're praying for you about, that the word would take hold in your life and you'll be changed forever. You can sit down. Thank you for giving me your time on that. That's our prayer for you. That's right. Let's give them a round of applause and just anticipate what God's going to do in their life this next week. Flourishing faith will be shared by demonstration, not also through example. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 5, for our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and in much assurance, as you know what kind of men we were among you for your sake. What Paul was saying is he's saying that, that you, he's saying this took place in our life. And it was evident that when we were with you, you saw not only us talk, but you saw not just what you heard, not just what we talked about, but you saw power in us. You saw the Holy Spirit working through us. You saw that we were attempting to do things that only God could do. And that when we taught the word, there was conviction. There was something going on that was beyond what was happening in the room. He said, listen, you, you, you saw that. That was real. We were an example to you. It's a progression of salvation. Next, I'm going to skip this there. Flourishing faith will be supernatural. Paul, Silas, and Timothy lived before, lived before them the evidence 
that the Holy Spirit was working in our lives. From there, those in the church started living before, before others that the Holy Spirit was evident in their lives. And from that, they began to touch their city and then the world. world. So all of a sudden, they began to look at the example of these men. And they began to say, they began to take it in. They began to live out what their faith was living out. And guess what? It was expanded to more people. And then all of a sudden, the city was touched by it. And then the world was touched by it. That's what the Bible says. And so Paul puts it this way. Here's what he says. In verse six, they became followers. But by the time you go to verse seven, he says, the followers became examples themselves. That's true discipleship, by the way. Did you know that? When, when, when all of a sudden we become followers and now we're becoming the examples. That's good discipleship. So flourishing faith will be supernatural. Look on your outline. An imitator of others. First Thessalonians chapter one, verse six. And you became followers of us and the Lord. The word followers is where we get the word mimic, meaning to copy someone or imitate someone. Paul said followers of both the Lord and us, as a person comes to Christ, listen, they do not necessarily know what to do about all the things that God's called them to do. So you know what they begin to do? They begin to watch other people. They begin to look and mimic them. Now, the only thing they know possibility about the Christian faith, maybe they know a little bit about how to behave how to act and how to react. Many times I learned this from watching other people. You've heard my testimony, but when I came to this church, I think Tina and I, I think we were 24 years old. We knew God had called us into the ministry and um, I think we'd been discipled somewhat, but there was so much of our life that we really didn't have a lot of insight about. Uh, being a married couple, raising children, and I tell people this all the time. I've had the privilege to serve the church almost 30 years now. But here's what I'm convinced of. That God brought me here for you to serve me at a certain time in my life. There's people sitting in this room. Some go way back who, who were there. And I'll be honest with you, they were models for us. We would read the word of God. We, we, would, we were seeking God's word and we would see that. But guess what? The demonstration of it being lived out was even more, is just as powerful as what we were reading. And we started taking notice that there were people in this church who were doing that. And guess what? We began to mimic that. We began to say, oh, I see it now. I've, I've seen it in the word. Now I'm understanding it. Now, it's, now I'm receiving it intimately because it's becoming real to me because it's being displayed right there in front of me. That's God's will for the church. So here's really, when you think about it, our prayers that you go to camp, that you get to camp and all of a sudden you receive the word intimately and then hopefully you'll be able to come back here and see it modeled for you. That's the goal. That's what Paul's talking about here. If a new Christian imitated you or followed you, what would they be like? You ever thought about that? If all of a sudden, a young Christian got excited about living the word and they started watching you in the services and started thinking, you know something? He writes everything down. No, I'm just kidding. You don't have to write stuff down to get the word. Trust me, okay? 
does help. That's the reason I give you an outline, okay? But anyway, um, <laughs> but all of a sudden they see something in that person and they begin to look at it. Let me, let me just tell you this. It, if they did look at you and they decided to follow what you were following Christ, what would it look like? Something we all need to get our minds around. First Thessalonians chapter one, verse six, and you became followers of us and the Lord having received the word. That means it went from head knowledge to heart knowledge in much affliction. Think about that. With joy of the Holy Spirit. How do you go from affliction to joy? Well, the key is right there from the Holy Spirit. Power of God working in your life. So here's the evidence. Joy in affliction. It's not always a joyous experience when a person gets saved. Did you know that? Do you know there's people in the world today who, who have a conversion experience? They trust Jesus as their Lord and Savior and all of a sudden they go back and, and, and their family disowns them. Did you know that goes on everywhere in the world? Do you know sometimes it gets worse? In some of these places, some, some, some will get saved and all of a sudden they begin to demonstrate their life and some of them are killed for it. You do realize that, right? We're living in a society in which all of a sudden we believe the word, we begin to initiate, we begin to talk about truth and you know what? We're ostracized. And that goes back to that idea of we're becoming a minority quick. We are. But there's joy and affliction. Do you know that disciples went out this is, when you think about it, it's kind of crazy. They went out, they began to proclaim the truth. Do you know what the Bible says? They were beaten and they came back and told Jesus how exciting it was to be beaten for the gospel. You ain't gonna believe how hard they hit me in the face, but man, this is just great. I got kicked in the stomach. I couldn't breathe for five minutes, but man, this is awesome. <laughs> Never be able to use his hand again, but it was worth it. That's the language we're talking about here. Paul said, imitate me just as I also imitate Christ, which means you should follow Christ so closely that when others watch you and follow your example, listen, they are following Christ. It also means this that we are called to not misrepresent Christ. How many times have we done that? And what did it cost us? When we misrepresent Christ and we're professing Christians, listen, it, 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 <laughs> it brings a lot of deception to the people watching us. Flourishing faith will be supernatural, an imitator to, uh, of others. And second of all, an example to others. First Thessalonians chapter one, verse seven, so that you became examples to all in Macedonia and Achaia who believe. Now, Macedonia was a region in Northern Greece this, uh, where Thessalonica, Philippi, and Berea, those churches were there. Achaia was in Southern Greece. That's where Athens and Corinth were. They started off, listen, here's what, here's what we're learning here. They, st they started off mimicking the faith of others. Now they're modeling the faith to others. It became supernatural. That's a supernatural progression. Think about it in scripture. You go from Barnabas to Paul to Timothy. And, and, and so what did this church model that Paul's talking about there in Greece? Look on your outline, the evidence that they were giving in poverty. They were giving massive amounts of those, of, of helping people in Jerusalem 
who were there who were literally starving in the streets. They were taking up money and guess what? Many of them were starving. And Paul's like, man, this is amazing. This is supernatural. Can I ask you a question? Do you model a giving spirit? Did you know that the act of giving is supernatural? If you don't believe me, go, go sit around with some two to four-year-olds. You don't meet many two-year-olds that says, nah, you know, I really want this really bad. But here, you take it. Never seen that one. Some of you are like, yeah, but you've never met my kid. My kid is so special. <laughs> I've seen them on Instagram. No, I'm just kidding. Anyway. <laughs> you know what we're seeing here? We're seeing that it's the idea here is that they're doing things that I believe as individuals, they never dreamed they would ever do. I've talked to people who've been saved and all of a sudden they began to live out God's word. They became intimate with the word and it created something in them that was just totally different than who they were before. Because over here, they just kind of acted natural in the natural realm. But they're seeing their life now. They never dreamed they were capable of having responses the way they have now. They never dreamed that they could give so freely while they were so stingy over here. They never dreamed that they would ever be this person. That's transformation. That's called becoming intimate with the word. I've heard wives tell me after their husbands were saved, one of those couples is sitting in this room who said, I never dreamed I would have a husband like this. Prayed for many years. Never dreamed I'd have one like this. One that just wasn't a terrible man before, but man, so obvious what's taking place in his life. Supernatural. Flourishing faith will be scattered. It'll be sounded out like a trumpet. If you look at verse eight, it says, for, for from you, the word has been sounded forth. That means like a trumpet, but, only, but not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place. Here's what he says, from you, for, from you, you sounded out the gospel like a trumpet. It was a penetrating sound. It was a musical sound. Second of all, it will spread out like a traveler. Verse eight again, it says, your faith towards God has gone out so that we do not need to say anything. One of the greatest evidence of salvation, listen to this, is that the message of the gospel does not end with the one who received that salvation. It doesn't end there. It expands. It continues to multiply. That's the intent of what he's talking about. So here's the application. Do you exhibit to the world a faith that is flourishing? You know what I'm afraid of? If I were to ask for hands to be raised to that question, I mean, if we were completely honest, there probably wouldn't be many hands going up. You say, man, you're not too optimistic about this place, are you? No, I know that it, 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 it takes something supernatural for it to take place. 
Number two, do you exhibit what the Holy Spirit enables you to be and do? First Thessalonians chapter one, I probably didn't go far enough. I saw this this morning, verse nine, it says, for they themselves declare concerning us what manner of entry we had to you. Basically what they were doing is they were looking at what this church did or these churches did in these areas. And here's what they said. They're asking, how did this happen? How in the world did, the, did some kind of response come where they were giving and they were giving out of poverty and we know how poor they are up there. And all of a sudden they did this. This is, how did, you, how did that happen? And here's, here's, here it is. How you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God. What does that say? It says two things. Number one, that a faith that is flourishing will be demonstrated and it will be exhibited. It will. For those of you who are sitting in this room, let me just say this, and I mean this, I'm telling you this because I care, okay? If you do not have a faith that is demonstrated nor exhibited, and it's obvious, I don't believe you have a faith. You say, how can you judge that? I'm, I'm, I'm looking here, and here's what it says I'll see. And I'm asking myself these questions too. So, so here's what I want you to do. I want you to look quickly. Look at this next thing here, the progression of salvation. I kind of threw them a curve back there. Just put them all up there. Put as many as you can on that screen. The progression, there's awareness of the supreme being. There's initial awareness of the gospel. There's awareness of the fundamentals of the gospel. There's the grasp of the implications of the gospel. All those things are great, but guess what? It's just seed that's going out. No one's received it intimately yet. There's a positive attitude towards the gospel. There may even be a personal problem recognition. All of a sudden there's conviction. I'm a sinner, there's a belief, but guess what? We're still not seeing the intimacy with the word yet. Keep going. All of a sudden, maybe there's a decision to act. There's confession, there's repentance, there's faith in Jesus Christ, there's a profession, there's lordship. That right there is when our belief and our faith becomes intimate. This is when we become intimate with the word. And then it goes on. From that decision, there is salvation. There's a new creation. The Holy Spirit indwells. That means there will be new demonstrations in your life. There will be a supernatural element to your life. There will be things that you do and respond to. All of a sudden, you say, I never dreamed I could become a person like this. I'm different. Next. Changes occur. Behaviors, attitudes, perspectives change. Next. Realize the importance of the word of God in prayer, the role of the church, sharing your story and serving. All these things, there's something that just miraculously happens in a person and the things they used to love, they no longer love and the things they love now, they never dreamed they could love it because something took a hold in their heart. They received with intimacy the word. I wanna ask you to stand to your feet, please. Matt, would you come? Your heads bowed and your eyes closed. I want you to contemplate what's going on here this morning. In front of you, you have a man who desired desperately this morning to, to rightly and accurately handle God's word. And I, as I began this morning, I, I prayed, Lord, just help me to, to present it accurately. Everything that I know about what God does and how his word works, I, I think I've done that. Now, let me tell you what else is going on in this room. 
the Holy Spirit desires to speak in your life. And the question is, did he? And the question is, will you become intimate with what was shared here today? Will you receive it intimately where it's not just a head knowledge and even in your head, you're thinking, man, he, he, I can identify with what he's saying. Something needs to change in my life. I, I don't want to be the person I, I don't want to continue to do. I want to be what my family needs me to be. You may have all the right ideas sitting in this room. But will that change when you walk out of here? That's, that's not really receiving the word. That seed that was on the wayside, boy, it got your attention. Maybe there was joy in the possibilities of what it could do. But the evidence that you received it here this morning will be in the demonstration in the days to come. It'll be how it's exhibited in the days to come. It'll be you sitting there thinking, I, I never dreamed I could respond to something the way I just responded to it. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, he plays softly. I just want to, Gary and I will be here at the front. I don't know what your need is. Maybe you just need to stand right there and just have a time with the Lord. And you need maybe, maybe your prayers, just the idea of holding fast to the word that you heard here this morning. That there's a desperation to hold it as tightly as you know how, because you know when you leave here and when you enter in the workforce or you go back to, well, not school, but you go at your peers and all that, all of a sudden it's gonna be contested and all of a sudden you've gotta take a stand or you just release what you've heard here this morning. Do you mean business with him this morning? Father, I just pray you have your way in these brief moments Right there, in the, in, 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 right there where we are, Lord, that you would just speak to our hearts. That it won't be when we leave here what I said necessarily, but what you said to us individually through your Holy Spirit. Have your way in these moments. Would your heads bowed and your eyes closed?